Hi, it's David the host, and you should know that I'm a big Paris Saint-Germain fan. This series of podcasts will give you the inside story on some of the key moments in the history of our great club. Paris est magique. This podcast breathes life into the history of PSG. Paris est magique. Magic as the story I'm going to tell you in this episode. Paris est magique is a Paris Saint-Germain podcast introduced by all Accord Live Limitless, the official principal partner. The story of Pele in Paris emerges a year after the World Cup of Mexico. The best player in the world has just won another World Cup title with Brazil. Audacious president Guy Croissant wants to sign him before the PSG gets to the first division. He's determined to meet Santos' directors and bring the king of football back with him. Bruno Croissant recalls. My father tells us he's going to take a trip to Brazil. And uh, we ask him what it's about. And he says, uh, well, I'm going to try and get Pelé. So you can imagine the surprise around the family dinner table. We ask him if he's serious. Ah, it's for PSG. We need a star player. And Pelé is that man. Okay, then. Um, he goes over there. Santos need money. And Pelé still had a big market value at that time. As Piaget didn't have a lot of money, my father's idea was to tell him there's a fixed transfer fee, well, a loan fee really, and uh, there's a bonus based on spectator attendance. Of course, being a director, he had no doubt the stadium would be full if Pelé was there as a star attraction. He comes back from his trip very satisfied, very confident. And when journalists interview him getting off the return flight from Brazil, he says, I'm bringing Paris its second Eiffel Tower. Michel Prost, the capital club's highest profile attack at the time, remembers having stars in his eyes. Pelé was the first Brazilian to really get us all excited and expecting unbelievable things. I started kind of dreaming, seeing as I was a number nine and he was a number ten. I'm not saying I would have made the starting lineup. I don't know. But if I did, then I would have played with Pelé. So I was involved as much as anyone. And then, almost at the last moment, Pelé changed his mind. He wanted to stay in his home country rather than taking the plunge. Pele stays in Brazil. In his place, another world champion signs for PSG. That's Pele's friend and fellow Santos teammates, Joel Camargo. And so began the love story between Paris Saint-Germain and Brazil, which has lasted right through to these days. Camargo might not be Pele, but he's still a big name. Signed by Santos as a 16-year-old youth prospect, he had played over 300 matches for the club, winning everything in sight. Jao Saldana, the Brazilian national team coach at the time, would rave about his talent. He's the only defender capable of attacking and scoring from outside the box. He signs for PSG at 25 years old as a freshly crowned world champion. His arrival has created a lot of anticipation. On a cold day in December 1971, he touches down at Orly Airport, greeted by camera flashes. But in reality, Carmago's story is somewhat crueler due to a dark event which causes his career to change drastically. He's involved in a serious car accident, which leads to two young women losing their lives. Accused of drunk driving, Joel Camargo is fired by his club Santos. He hasn't stepped into a football pitch for several months due to the resulting court case. Undergoing medical care and needing rehabilitation for his right leg, which had been crushed during the accident. He was injured and even physically handicapped, even when it came to walking down a flight of stairs, for example. 
so it was practically impossible for him to play football. He had exceptional technique. He was at Pele's level, obviously not exactly the same, but still a very high level. But physically, we joke about it. But if we did a 50-yard dash and I started running at the back and him at the front, I'd beat him. We all felt bad for him. Wearing the red and blue of PSG wasn't enough for him to breathe life back into his career and build fresh momentum. He only plays in two competitive games, putting in lackluster performances, which end in defeat. His contract is terminated in February 1972. That signaled the death knell for his playing career. After a short stay in Paris, only a handful of small Brazilian clubs are willing to give him another chance. At that time, his fellow countryman Armando Monteiro proves to be assertive and offensive. He shows his attacking intent by traveling to Paris in 1973 at the age of just 23. He meets coach Just Fontaine, talks him through his brief resume, including stints at Flamengo, Botafogo, and he asks for a contract offer. Robin Leclerc says the following about him. He was a shooting star. I don't even know how the boy got there. I don't know, he must have seen the lights on in the stadium. He came and knocked on Justo's door, and Justo gave him a pair of boots to join in training. His trial was enough to convince a former French international who has held the reins at the club for several months. Armando Montera has the best goals-to-games ratio of all Brazilians to play for Paris Saint-Germain. That's right, ahead of Rai, Ronaldinho, and Nene. Only Neymar has done better since. Five goals in nine games. A brief but productive stint. The one he scored on November 10th, 1973, will go down in history. The stakes were high, given it was a local derby. Paris are at home to neighboring club Red Star, the unbeaten league leaders. And that night, PSG plays their first ever game at the Parc de Prance. It was actually a curtain raiser for a Division I game between Paris FC and Sochelle. Over 30,000 supporters are gathered to watch their debut at the Parc. For this special occasion, the Parisians wear their famous red and blue colors for the first time. The work of designer and new club president, Daniel Hechte. The tension is tangible, with both sides striking back and forth. Just before an hour on the clock, Montero lets his team breathe. He gets up in the opposing penalty area and heads home with perfectly executed technique. Paris lead 2-0 and go on to win 3-1. The Red Star Club suffer their first loss of the season. Meanwhile, PSG put a marker down in their chase for promotion to the top tier. Montero is unstoppable in the air and his teammates remember him just as much for his samba tunes. I'd say he was more of a musician playing football than a footballer making music. Jackie Planshaw smiles as he recalls his Brazilian teammate. Oh, Armando. Armando. Yeah, he was a star. He'd be dancing all the time, singing all the time. He had this technique. He wasn't quick, but he was Brazilian after all. Brazilians meant Copacabana. Girls, music. He left in the same way as he joined, without us really knowing what was going on. When he arrived, he saw this big lad doing kick-ups all the time, dancing all the time, and enjoying life. And then we didn't see him anymore. And at some point, he just wasn't there anymore. He leaves the club at the end of the season, which sees Paris Saint-Germain earn promotion to the first division. PSG signs Spiegler and Impelli, which fills up their foreign player quota. Montero flies off to the south of France. Done with the football field and the penalty area, he gives it up for the melody and the rhythm of the night. 
He records an album, becomes the conductor in the Brazilian orchestra, and he plays his part in the Saint-Tropez nightlife, co-hosting Eddie Barclay's all-night parties. In Brazil, his compatriot Joel Camargo ends his career before even turning 30. He continues to call out the racism which he and other black people suffer from. He believes his career was sacrificed, saying he had been crucified for the color of his skin. After hanging up his boots, he goes public with details of his struggle. Discrimination exists. I've always said so. I was the only one to talk about discrimination at the time. My teammates told me I was too radical and wanted me to keep certain things to myself. I'd been interviewed by people who wanted me to say there was no discrimination in Brazil. I told them it was nonsense. I'm black and I know how things go. His determination to be heard is unfortunately lost in alcoholism, poverty, and a gambling addiction. All too often, these things come hand in hand with being a victim of injustice. He goes as far as selling his World Cup winner's medal simply to survive. It's a final tacit recognition of his inability to remain a footballer. He makes his ends meet by working as a docker in the Port of Santos until the end of his days, unknown to those who come and go as he had done after a restless crossing. To stay alive and true to his passion, he also teaches football in local schools. PSG's Brazilian pioneer passed away just before his home country hosted the World Cup in 2014. Meanwhile, Armando Montero had already met his demise several years prior. Paris et Magique is a Paris Saint-Germain podcast introduced by all. Accord Live Limitless, the official principal partner who guarantees the best prices for your hotel stays on all.com. Written by Melina Boati, narrated by David the Host, and produced by Baba Bem.